We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is the week three edition of our podcast for the Rams 37-32 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is Norm Hightower along with Derek Ciapala. Derek, let's uh, take a look back at week three and uh, tell me what you think. Given Tampa Bay's power running game in combination with uh, Jameis Winston back there, receivers and so on and so forth, I expect them to give the Rams a game. I expect them to possibly really, really just just ram it down the Rams' throat. And that's not what happened in terms of offensive football. They got down the air. They couldn't get anything down the running game. And you could say some of that was because Doug Martin wasn't playing. But overall, the Rams did render them one-dimensional offensively. And they still almost didn't stop them. But at least it did enough for the Rams to win the game. Offensively, I saw some good things. You know, the Rams finally scored their first offensive touchdowns of the year. The running game still was a little bit eh. The passing game is still a little bit eh. But it's it's still much better than what it was, you know, in week one. Overall, I think there were some really great moments in the game, and I think there were some really bonehead moments of the game on both sides of the football, to be honest with you. And fortunately, the Rams got away with a few of their bonehead mistakes and, and did all right. I mean, Austin had 
probably one of his better games as a receiver. Um, he had five receptions for 82 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Brian Quick scores the first touchdown of the season on a 44-yard pass. Kenny Britt was probably one of our weaker receivers this week, but he's been the strongest overall since, you know, week one. So our passing game, even though it, uh, it wasn't fantastic, we did put up almost 200 yards. Uh, we did get two touchdowns through the air and the receivers looked like they were running some crisp routes and, you know, Brian Quick actually looked good on that, on that long route that he ran. So overall, the offense did better. I liked the fact that they, we're willing to try to put the ball down the field. I worry against a tougher defense if Keenum's going to throw more interceptions throwing the long ball because he doesn't have a long ball. So overall, I'd say they did okay offensively. On, de- on the defensive side of the ball, you know, we still have a lot of youth and, and, and we're still questionable in the secondary. Uh, Troy Hill got beat a few times, but not horribly, but he led the team with t- 11 tackles. So, you know, I think he's filling in pretty well there now until – E.J. Gaines hopefully comes back and steps in as a starter. Quinn had a good game. Westbrook returns a fumble and, and was in there for quite a long time because uh, Sims was ejected and uh, Hayes had a twisted ankle. So, you know, overall, if you look at the total game, I'd say the Rams did pretty good. I'm just not happy with some of the bonehead mistakes. It seems like those bonehead mistakes just never seem to go away with this team. It's it's. Jeff Fisher's fifth year now, and they're still making some of those same boneheaded mistakes. Tavon Austin's return, for example, boneheaded mistake. When does this team grow up? Well, I think the problem with Tavon's return is the fact that he's got a green light at any time, and so he's always looking to take a chance on getting the ball. I don't think in this situation, if he had known where the ball was, he would have actually took the chance that he did. But I think he lost track of where he was. Fact of the matter is, though, it put us it put us way back deep at the end of the game when we needed when we needed to be able to put some first downs together, and and it made us tough, made it tough on us, and they were able to shorten the field on us. So that was a bonehead mistake. But I can kind of understand because of the fact he's got pretty much a green light whenever he wants on a punt return. The one that I couldn't understand was Case Keenum's pass that was intercepted that he basically threw it right to their defense. That was. That was horrible. I mean, I, I don't know of anybody in – I don't know of a high school quarterback that throws that obvious of a mistake pass. Well, let's look at that. You know, we we argued last week on our podcast, you know, when is the time for Keenum? What's your evaluation now on Keenum after three games? Well, he won, what, four out of five or three out of five games at the end of last season? Something like that. Okay, and he's two and one this year. So if you look at, you know, you look at his last seven, eight games, he's got a winning record. That's the hard part because you would think by looking at that, he should be our guy. On the other hand, he can't throw the ball deep. He, several times when he was flushed out of the pocket, he should have just kept rolling out and threw the ball away. Instead, he tried to make something, he's trying too hard to make something happen, and he holds onto the ball and gets knocked down, gets sacked. Uh, loses yards, whatever it may be. I was all for sitting golf, you know, as long as it took to make this work. But I'm at the point now where I don't know that golf could play any worse than what Keenum is. And so there's a part of me that thinks they should go ahead and give golf a shot 
and and let him go out and see how he does. But you know, this week they're playing Arizona, and I don't know if that's the best defense to start him off on. So I, I don't know. I'm not ready to give up on Keenum yet, but I'm certainly not high on him either. It's kind of a tough situation. For me, I mean, the problem with that is is well, not being ready to give up on Keenum. He's won this many games, but to me, the team has won in many cases in spite of him rather than because of him. You're talking about a defense that can score a lot of points, and the defense has scored some points. You're talking about, you know, your offense that, believe it or not, does have some playmakers in Todd Gurley, Tavon Austin, and so on and so forth. So it's to me, are you winning with Keenum or are you winning in spite of him? I, I know the argument. The argument is, well, Jerry, you know, you know, Jerry Goff, he never took any snaps under center in college. He never did this and never did that and this. Well, at one point in this season, do the Rams say, you know what, it's time to put him in there. When they're three and five, when they're five and three, because the offense isn't going to win games like this every time out. It's just not going to happen. It's nice to be able to say that the Rams are two and one and lead the division right now. Uh, I wanted to get that in there because I may not be able to say that the rest of the year. Um <laughs> And, and yeah, but they have a they have a gauntlet, Norm. They have a gauntlet later in the season of teams that are just bam, 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 bam. That schedule gets real tough later on. And when is it is it is it when we hit that stretch that we decide, hey, Case Kim's not our guy? No, I get that. I, I, I really do get that. I, I think there's a time that you have to make the decision either Keenum's our guy and we're gonna go with him the rest of the year unless he gets hurt or unless he starts playing horribly. Or they need to make the switch to Goff, and I think now's the time to do it if they're going to do it because of the fact that of that gauntlet that it's going to continue to come later on in the season. You got Buffalo week after next. You know, there, there's really not any gimme games on this on this schedule as far as I'm concerned. But then you have to look at the fact that the Rams get pummeled by the 49ers, who I don't think are that great of a football team right now. And then they come out and they, they beat the Seahawks. Even though Russell Wilson wasn't 100%, it's still the Seahawks. And uh, they beat them, and, and the defense stepped up and played well. And then they travel to Tampa Bay, who's a, who's a good football team. Um, they've got some offensive weapons. Their defense isn't horrible. And they beat them on the road, even though it was ugly. They did. So, you know, who knows? Maybe bringing Goff in gives us that little bit more that we need to push it over the top. Or maybe he comes in and struggles really bad and it sets him back. And I think that's what we got to be really careful of. How long does it take a quarterback that is not used to taking snaps under center to learn to do that? Well, I think that's a bunch of crap myself. Um, I've seen guys that have never played quarterback in their life go in, step under center, and within, you know, a month or two of doing it, it's like they've done it their whole lives. So, I, I don't really see that as being an issue. I, I think it's more of the, you know, the footwork and, and, and all that stuff that you have to get used to. But again, it's muscle memory. You do it for a month or two. You keep doing it. You know, they say it takes four weeks to, to create a habit. Well, there's your habit. Four weeks. That's a month. It, it doesn't take that long. So I think that's just a bunch of crap myself. I would say reading the defense, being able to make quick decisions and not turning over the football are the things that they need to worry about with Goff. And, you know, without being at every practice and seeing him perform with the number ones and, and all that stuff, it's hard to say where he's at. But, you know, as 
as Steve likes to say, you know, they gave up a lot for him and, you know, there's an expectation there that he needs to be playing. Well, week four, week five is about when that usually happens when a rookie comes in if they don't start game one. Well, you have the inevitable comparisons, though. You have Carson Well, Goff here. You have Prescott down in Dallas. And, of course, the big one, Carson Wentz. And the, the Rams could take him. He was there for the taking. The Eagles are 3-0 and with him under center now. And you're hearing those question marks. Well, did the Rams make a mistake? Did they make a mistake? Did they make a mistake? Did they make a mistake? And we're going to keep hearing those question marks. It's going to become a bigger and bigger story until we see Goff on the field. I can't see how this is helpful for the team. Yeah, and, and you know, I hear a lot of Goff is a bust. And how is he a bust? He hasn't even really played yet. If he doesn't play and ends up not playing for for years, then okay, he's a bust. But you know, I was high on Carson Wentz. I, you know, I would have picked him over Goff myself. I, I thought he had the skill set to, to really help our offense do what it needs to do. And and he's played well um, the first three games and has got him to three and zero. But two of the two of the opponents, I mean, one of them was Cleveland, and the other one I forget who it was. But it, they're not really, you know, teams to be worried about. Now they did beat Pittsburgh this week, and that's that says a little bit more a little bit more for me and and he's performing well. I'm not going to say they made a mistake and and took Goff instead of Wentz. I I did say that in the very beginning of the season, but there's nothing to compare it to. There's no, you know, apples and apples to put into place with, you know, until Goff starts a game and actually plays. You got to you got to get him on the field and see how he does in order to do that. Prescott's stepped in and done a, a an outstanding job, but I almost think Elmer Fudd could step in behind uh, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line and be a decent quarterback just because they're able to protect the quarterback and run the football. So, you know, those guys, the, the jury's still out on those guys. But, you know, I was high on Wentz in the beginning, and I think he's done a great job so far. I just don't know that, you know, he would have done a better job than Goff or not until Goff gets on the field and actually plays. Is the media criticism towards the Rams about Goff valid? I don't think so yet. I, I think they have to have some some comparables. I mean, you got to have some time on the field. I think the media has the right to kind of say, why isn't he starting yet? But I think Fisher made it clear, good or bad, before the season and before the draft was really even over with, that he's not going to put him in until he's ready. You know, there's a lot of people that say that's a bunch of crap too. So, God, it's really difficult. I mean, I'm not an NFL coach. I don't claim to be an NFL coach. Sometimes I think I can coach as well or better than Fisher, but, you know, I mean, all of us are armchair quarterbacks sitting in our living room and can second-guess anything that happens on the field. You know, if Goff is that far behind Keenum, then I guess, you know, we probably did make a mistake because Keenum's not that great of a quarterback. If Goff isn't anywhere close to him, then that does concern me because the way Wentz has played so far, he looks like you could have plugged him into our offense and he would have been fine. So it's it's really hard to say. I, I think anything in the media right now, whether it's football or the elections or anything else, is kind of unjustified over most everything until you really have some something to, to really go off of. And without golf playing, we don't have that. And what I'm referencing in the is, is the consistent badgering of the Rams about golf. It was an article on Yahoo Sports from Dan Wetzel talking about how the Rams are basically, you know, embarrassing. Off by not putting them in, and I, I personally think it's a bunch of crap. Every team is going to do things differently. 
and every team is going to manage their, their draft pick to their advantage. I think you're right about one thing, though. If, if Goff isn't better than Keenum right now, then we have something to wonder about. Really have, you know, Keenum, I honestly believe, going back to what I said earlier, they're winning games in spite of him, not because of him. There's two plays uh, in that game that really just stick with me. And, and one is the one you mentioned, the interception. The other one is actually the touchdown, the table on off the touchdown. Getting, that, getting the ball, takes it, throws off his back foot. The ball is lofted up there. It's short, underthrown. Tavon Austin comes back to the ball, spins and moves for touchdown. Okay, If it's not for Austin making the play on the football, that's an interception at the worst, or that, that ball, nothing happens at all. It was a horrifying throw to me. It had no zip. <laughs> and well, and, But most of his deeper passes have no zip on them. Right. But even throwing off your back foot. Throwing off your back foot, that's not a veteran throw. No, I mean, the, the, play, the placement of the pass was okay if the timing was better and there was some zip on the throw. Because I don't, I, I think it was a great back shoulder throw in that respect. But you're right, it was lofted out there. And if it wasn't for Tavon making a great play out of it, uh, it, it could have been really bad. And, and, you know, I'm looking at the playtime that Wentz has had. I've been watching some film on him just to kind of, you know, see if my evaluations of him before the season started were accurate or not. And I'm looking at how mobile he is, how quick he's making decisions and what he's doing out there. And I think he's every bit as good as Keenum is right now. And so that that really validates the whole is Goff as good as Keenum or not. And if he isn't, then, you know, again, we took the wrong guy. But it's still I, I want to see Goff on the field before I make that decision. And I don't want to I don't want to be a skies falling guy. I don't want to say Keenum sucks because, you know, we've been winning whether it's despite him or with him, at some point they're going to have to make a decision on Keenum's our guy and we're moving forward with him or we got to bring Goff in. And I think if you wait longer than week four or five, you're really making a mistake. We'd like to thank our sponsor. This week's sponsor is Healthiest You. Healthiest You is a telemedicine product that allows you to call a doctor on the phone. You can try to get diagnosed over the phone, and if you can be, you can also be prescribed over the phone and never have to go see a doctor in order to get a prescription. It's $11 a month for an individual and $15 a month for a family. It allows you to miss out on co-pays and, and things like that that can really affect some people financially. So, again, thank our sponsor, Healthiest You. Uh, there's, a, there's a link at the bottom of the page if you want to check it out. So help me jock some memory here, okay? In terms of quarterback development, what are some other examples of first-round picks being held back by their teams um, up to a year before letting them play? I, I can go back to the Bengals with Carson Palmer. It actually was highly effective for him in his career. Who else comes to mind for you? Gosh, that one catches me kind of off guard. Um, I, I really can't think of anybody except maybe what, what round was Aaron Rodgers taken in? First round. Okay. Well, he sat behind Brett Favre for was it one year or two years? Might have been even two, two years. Is it two years? Yeah, it was. I think um, it was. I think it was at least two years. And look how he's playing. So th- there are some out there. Uh, you know, again, I. It's so difficult. I mean, they could have seen this kid in the draft, in the pre-draft, in the combine, and all that stuff, and said, "This kid's not ready now, but he's going to be ready within a year." But then is he worth trading all those picks for? You know, when you got a guy like Wentz who so far has been able to come in 
and go three and oh. So, you know, I don't know. I, the number one overall pick usually plays. And the fact that he's sat out the first three weeks, I think it's hard on him. It's hard on the fans. And when you see a product like Keenum out there that's not lighting it up, just getting it barely done, it's hard not to just say get Goff in there right now. So if they don't put him in in the next couple weeks, um, then I think that the Rams made a mistake by drafting him. All right, well, moving on. Speaking of the next couple of weeks, we, we do have a, a big one this week in Arizona. We're heading out to Arizona. The Cardinals, Cardinals struggling at one and two. Where do you see this game going? You know, you can never tell with the Rams when they go to play Arizona. You, you pick them to win, and then they go and blow it. You think they're going to get blown out, and then they win. So right now, I would say the Rams are playing better football than Arizona. Um, I think Arizona's got the better offense, obviously, but I think the Rams got a little bit better defense than they do. So it's tough to say, but since it's going to be at Arizona, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in this game. Palmer had a horrible game against Buffalo. You know, he, he went 26 for 50, so just barely over 50%, 52% for 287 with no touchdowns and four interceptions. Now that's not against the Rams secondary, but that's against Buffalo's secondary. Their running game, they didn't have anybody over 80, well, they had one guy over 80 yards, 83 yards. They didn't have much of a running game at all. Palmer fumbled the ball twice. You know, it's just, I think the only way the Rams win this game is if they win the turnover battle plus two. If they don't, I think, uh, I think Arizona's gonna be playing with some determination and they're gonna come out and, and put some pressure on our offense. And even though our offense looked pretty good this last week, you're playing against uh, a little bit better secondary uh, with Matthew and and Patrick Peterson and those guys out there. You're not going to be you're not going to get away with floating those passes out there like Keenum did this last week. So it's going to be tough. I'm actually going to pick the Rams to lose this one. I hate to do it, but I think they're gonna. I don't like the matchup. The Rams' offensive line has done they are so much better in pass protection right now they really are and you know that said they have not really played a defensive line yet like what the cardinals have and that concerns me and they have not really got the running game going yet and part of that is the fact the rams aren't throwing down field can the rams throw down field on the cardinals given everything we talked about Keenan, i'm not sure will they be able to protect against that defensive line i'm not sure can this young, very young, inexperienced secondary hold down the fort against Larry Fitzgerald, John Brown, Michael Floyd, and, and a Carson Palmer who is eventually going to get going? I, I, I'm not sure, but I don't, I don't have a good feeling about this game at all. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to go with a blowout here and go to the Cardinals 27, Rams 13. I'm close, you know, not a blowout, blowout, but it's not going to be close. I just don't like how this game feels right now. I hope I'm wrong. Oh, I do too. I was thinking twenty-one thirteen myself, but I, I'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's different than uh than I expect as well. There will be some differences though. Um, it looks like uh, Cooper and uh, Spruce are going to be practicing this week, so they may see some playing time. That doesn't mean they're going to play much, but you know, Spruce had a great game in the preseason, and if he can come out and, and add another threat, you know, the kid catches the football, so maybe he can add some. Some uh, excitement in there. The defensive line, hopefully Sims or, or none of our other players will get kicked out of the game right off the bat if, if, if uh, Hayes is even to play, able to play. 
will make a difference as well. You know, our defense was pretty tired last week, but our offense did give them some time off the field, which was nice to see. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull that off against Arizona or not. I hope that they do. And, you know, it seems like any time an Arizona quarterback gets hurt, it's the Rams that's hurting them. And so I'm sure Carson Palmer isn't feeling real comfortable about playing against the Rams, especially with Donald and Robert Quinn being back. So, you know, it, it could go either way. But the fact that it's in Arizona and the Rams just haven't played that great yet, I, I agree with you. I think it's it's not going to be pretty. And let's not forget, this, Card- this is a Cardinals team that many experts expected to win the division and possibly go deep in the playoffs. This is not a team that really should be one and two. It just seems like it's the right time for them to finally get it together. I, you know, I hope they don't get together until after the game. But what that just came to mind too is, you know, the Rams just seem to hurt their quarterbacks a lot. You know, so if they get some pressure on Palmer, it's a different game. Well, yeah, you could see that last week, you know, with four interceptions and two fumbles. If, if the Rams can get him rattled like that and keep that bad play going, they've got a shot. Um, and we've got the line to do it. But if we can keep the run game down like Buffalo did against them and force Palmer to pass and we can get those pass rushes in there, great. I just don't know that our secondary is good enough yet to, to give Palmer that much trouble. So we'll see. Uh, whoever wins, I think whoever wins that battle wins the game. If the Rams secondary can cover good enough to give our defensive line time to get to Palmer, we win. If if Palmer has time to throw and and our secondary isn't covering, they win. It's and that that again would come into the turnover battle because if you're going to have any fumbles or any interceptions, it's beginning because of the Rams defensive line um, and the secondary covering. So whoever wins the whoever wins the turnover battle and whoever if they can put pressure on Palmer and play decent in the secondary, they're going to win. But I really don't have a lot of faith in that right now. Where do you think we're at right now with the the Rams for this season overall? I mean, I know that, you know, when we talked last time in a podcast, we were talking about what we thought they'd go for the year. And and you had them going like 6 and 10 or something like that. You still see it going that way? Or do you see, after seeing them for three weeks, do you see them being a little bit better? Where are you at? You know, I was actually just thinking about that as you were as you were closing out your talk about, about the Cardinals game. And, you know, I I just still see the team doing the same things they've always done wrong. And they just have more holes, especially on defense in the secondary right now, than than what they've had even in recent past. And I, I just can't see this team really holding out against that meaty, really, really, really tough, tough part of the schedule coming up. There are no real easy games. The Buffalo game is not going to be easy either. Buffalo's offense is, is putting up some points right now. Um, and, and I just don't see this team winning more than six games, even now still, as it stands. Now, here's, here's a positive, though. We haven't seen our number one quarterback play yet. We haven't seen Todd Gurley really break out yet. The offensive line keeps improving. The defensive line uh, is, is just as good as it's been, even without Chris Long there. Um, they, they are stopping the run. You know, so there, there's definite, definite positives that can, that we can build on. I, but quarterback play, secondary play in a passing league like this, I still, I still struggle with this being any better than any of Jeff Fisher's past games. I, I'm disappointed actually. I think this is, you know, this is his fifth year. This is less than his fifth year and 
I don't blame Les Snead as much as I blame Jeff Fisher. Les Snead is a, is a heck of a talent. He's a talent evaluator. We've seen him pick up players late in the draft that have played for the team. That you know, we've, we've seen him bring in undrafted free agents that have made the team, Spruce included. Um, Farrell Cooper, I believe, is going to be an excellent player for the team. Um, but I don't, I don't like what this coaching staff has done overall in terms of instilling discipline in our players. I don't like how what it's done in in developing offensive players, especially. Yeah. You know, so I hate to be so down on my own team. I really do, but that's just where I'm at right now. Well, I think I yelled at the TV, "God, is this team cursed?" or something like that. You know, when they were down at the end of the first half, I was just like, they came out, they drove down the field, they looked so good. They stop them on defense. I'm thinking, all right, here we go. This is the kind of football we've been hoping to see. And then Keenum throws a pick six, and I'm like, what the heck? So you know, I have my doubts, too, and it's hard not to get down. I'm usually, I can usually stay more positive for a longer period of time than most people can. I think that's from being a Rams fan for almost 50 years. <laughs> but some things to, some things to think about. Um, Arizona is known for its defense, but yet, and, and Taylor didn't pass a lot or didn't have much success with the Bills against against Arizona. They He was 14 for 25 for 119 yards and an interception. So he didn't have a great game passing. But LaShawn McCoy had 17 rushes for 110 yards and two touchdowns, and Taylor ran nine times for 76 yards and a touchdown. So they were able to get the run working against the Cardinals. And if the Rams can put the ball down the field a little bit in the beginning with some success and get Gurley and Cunningham running the football, that changes the whole perspective of the game too. Just can they do it? And, you know, half the time I think it's the coach's play calling and half the time I, I think it's Case Keenum's decision-making where things look great or then the penalties come in. So this team just needs to grow up. And and I think it's time to put uh, put Goff in there and just see what he can do. Well, growing up is a big, the big word. There. The key words is grow, are growing up. This is not, you know, when Fisher took over this team, they were the youngest team in the NFL. They were the youngest team in the NFL the next year. They need to grow up. And I think what really has me down, what really, you know, just gets me upset is knowing that this franchise pretty much wasted the best years of some of the top players that come through this, this team in the past 10 years. James Laurinaitis, they wasted prime. Chris Long, they wasted this guy's prime. Now with other teams, and, and they're on the downside of their careers. For what? I'm worried they're going to, the same thing's going to happen with Robert Quinn and Aaron Donald. They're going to waste these players' best years trying to get this right. And that, to me, is unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. And if it means you have to get rid of Jeff Fish in the offseason, you do it. This is this, You can't do this anymore. You can't let this happen anymore. You've moved to Los Angeles. You've, you've, this, this is a city that does not accept the losing. If they if if you sit there and you continue losing lots of angles, they're going to find something else to do, and they have every right to do that. They deserve criticism because of that. They just you know fans in a city are paying for a product. It's a, it's a product, and if the product is not going to deliver on its promises, then people are going to go put their money elsewhere, and they have every right to do that. Is this team going to realize that? I, I will say one thing though, and that is, and, and I'm not making excuses for them, but you know they had the whole hard knocks thing going on. They had the move going on. They had like six different locations they played and practiced at. That couldn't have been easy. 
as Fisher's been saying regularly, the rest of the NFL and the fans really don't care, and that's pretty much true. But let's look at it realistically. That that had to have some effect on the on the team, and that may be why they came out and got blown out so poor, you know so badly against 49ers. They came out and played Seattle tough. We got to see a tough team that day, which made me feel better. We went on the road and we beat a good Tampa Bay team. You know, maybe we're just seeing this team come out of come out of the training camp a little bit more behind than than what some of these other teams are and maybe they're going to go out there and rock and roll it, but I'm I was born in LA. I lived in LA for a while. I live in Oregon now. I understand the whole LA concept of if you're not winning, you might as well just not play. However, first year back they knew they were getting a bad product when it came because they hadn't been good in the past. They made some splashes with, you know, with trying to get the number one pick, which they did. I, I think LA needs to cut the Rams a break this year if they don't have a winning season and just say, okay, you know, this is first year, a lot of things going on, big move, all that stuff. But I don't think they're going to say next year that's okay. So um, if nothing else, give Goff the time. To go out there I agree. and make this team. I'm not going to make any judgments yet on the team as far as where I think they're going to be um, based on what we've seen so far. I, I think this next game with Arizona is going to really give us a clue of where they're at. If they can go to Arizona and beat Arizona, my confidence is going to go up quite a bit. I, I'm really, I'd really like to see Jared Goff play, but if they go to Arizona and they win with with uh, Case Keenum at quarterback. I don't think that's going to happen for a while. So hopefully we'll uh, we'll learn a lot this next week, and uh, we'll come back the following week and discuss it again and and see what uh, what our thoughts are and see if we were right or wrong about any of our expectations coming up. Well, we'll we'll catch up with everyone next week, and hopefully we'll have some good news about the uh, Cardinals Rams game. Thanks for joining us again for our week three podcast, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA. Only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history still in the making? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.